Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management. Welcome to the Finding True Wealth podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with special guests, Rich and Sue Allen, uh, talking about lifestyle planning. They have a fantastic story that they're going to share with everyone. And when it relates to lifestyle planning, what I mean is a non-traditional career path or non-linear. Oftentimes, we think of working until age 62 or 65 and then a hard stop and then retirement to the beach or to golf. But the Allens have a non-linear path. What I mean by that is Rich, after 22 years at Ford Motor, retired at age 48 with five children in the house, including two which were adopted. We're going to talk about their tremendous faith journey and uh, hear about their tremendous gratitude to God. And uh, just speaking with them is a joy. So without further ado, let's welcome in Rich and Sue Allen. Well, Sue and Rich, it's great to have you guys on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Great. So uh, let me get this straight. Um, Rich, after 22 years as an engineer at Ford, at age 48, you walked away from Ford. That's is, correct. Is that right? Well, you could say walked away, but I actually walked towards something even better. And I like maybe that. Maybe that's a good story to tell. Yeah. So what, what, what was the calling that led you to leave Ford? Well, if I jump to now, uh, I'm uh, executive pastor at Life Church in Canton, mm-hmm. and uh, Sue's also on staff. Mm-hmm. I'm the church administrator there. Excellent. So we're doing something we really love, is really meaningful to us. It's been super important in our lives, mm-hmm. but it's a lot different than the corporate world at Ford. Mm-hmm. So it was a big change for us, something that uh, didn't happen overnight, though, if you go back and go through the story. Yeah, so what led up to that decision at age 48 after 22 years? What was, um, you know, what were the catalysts? What were happening in the, in the years and months ahead of that to make that decision? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll start. Um, for me on the career side, I loved what I was doing at Ford. Okay. I was doing product strategy, advanced planning, responsibility for all the new products and vehicles Ford was putting in. I spent most of my career around the world, putting new products into new countries that Ford hadn't been in before. So I loved it. It was great. Uh, It was a neat career for me that I really enjoyed. Um, It was something that I was good at. I was a a director level person at Ford and and thriving in it. Um, At the same time, we have a personal life as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sue and I have great marriage Along the way, we had um, children and really enjoying that part of life as well. So if you would have looked just visually at things, you'd have said, we don't see this change coming. But I think that there were things in our faith life and in our personal life that were probably contributing to that. What would you say? Well, I think it, it started in essence when we took an assignment in China, in Shanghai, China with Ford. Okay. And we were really excited about that. We had um, adopted a child in 99 from China. We had been over there and um, went to get her and did some traveling there. Um, 
and had always hoped to go back and show our daughter her country as she got older. Oh, yeah. um, but even better, uh, Ford asked Rich to take an assignment there. And we were thrilled with that opportunity because um, we had always wanted to go back. And better yet, we got to live there, experience the culture, learn the language, travel the country, and, and even go to the uh, orphanage nice. that our daughter was from. So we you know, really enjoyed our time there. And um, it, it was also an impactful time spiritually as well. Um, we were part of a local church community there, an international church community. And um, we had a lot of uh, freedom to actually share our faith with the locals one-on-one. -on -one. Of course, you can't be a missionary there, but um, we found that the, the uh, staff that Rich um, worked with there and um, some others that we met along the way were very open to, to hearing about our faith, very curious. Um, they just wanted to know more, and we mm -hmm. had those opportunities to share, and we really enjoyed that. We kind of felt mm -hmm. like we were missionaries, even though we were there with Ford. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a neat experience, both personal, personally and professionally. Um, we really so, enjoyed it. So it was 1999 when you were there adopting, uh, when you were on your, uh, that was the first time you were there? Yes, with, the first time we were there, and we went back in 2007. Okay, so, the, so your daughter bit. was at least eight, mm -hmm. right? She was eight years old. Okay, yeah. great. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had four kids. You already had kids at that all point. All with us, okay. yeah. Okay. So she's the youngest of the four. Okay. So yeah, we had been doing uh, family life. I had been traveling back and forth um, to Asia, to Europe, to, well, to South America, to Africa, to <laughs> yeah. all of these places. And when we got the chance to live over there, rather than always go back and forth, um, we jumped on it. And so it was a great thing for us personally and professionally. So at that time in 2007, you had four children and there was another adoption coming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't actually know it at the time. Okay. But part of living in Asia was having opportunities to, to serve, to minister. And we, on our vacations there, instead of coming to, back to the U.S., we would go to another country and work in an orphanage. Okay. And so we worked at orphanages in Bangladesh, Philippines, Cambodia, Thailand, Thailand probably others I'm forgetting. But <laughs> we worked in an orphanage in China and met a little boy who would end up becoming our son, long story short. Okay. Uh, we met him on one of those projects, and we're just thrilled at how that came about. A little different than some adoptions in that we met him when he was 11 years old. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. So that was a super neat part of our experience there as well. And when, when you were in China from 2007 on that work trip at, with Ford, how many years were you there? We were there four and a half years. Okay. And we probably would have stayed longer except that it was time for Ford to reassign me to the next thing. Okay. So that was 2011, 2012? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Later so, in 2011. What was it like for your existing children making the trip from the United States to China for four and a half years? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, they were, um, they were all for it. I mean, I think that they were looking for the adventure. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it had to do with our attitude toward going there and making those experiences. And um, they, I don't think any of them had any 
fears or or um, I mean obviously they would miss their friends mm -hmm. but um, we made it seem like it was going to be an exciting adventure for them to live <laughs> there and we had already signed them up with school and they were able to look online and see what their school was like and um, share about our, the home that we chose pictures so I think that gave them some you know security in terms of uh, okay there's a regular looking school and a regular looking house and it's not all going to be uh, completely foreign mm. so they were they were really excited and they did very well with the transition I feel like we could do two separate podcasts right? one on the China experience yeah. right and one mm -hmm. on the lifestyle planning experience yeah. but they they're woven mm -hmm. together so well yes, they are. Yeah. Um, so after four and a half years now you're reassigned mm -hmm. back in the United States mm -hmm. so everyone comes back to Michigan Yes. What happens then? So we all came back. I'm reassigned to a position responsibility for you know North for the Americas, then rather than for the rest of the world. Uh, job wise, we fold back into the community here. We even went back to the same house. Okay. Which we still owned. Did you rent and, it out during the time that you were gone? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. We did, and we went back into Life Church. Okay. Also, which we had been a part of since it was a backyard operation. Since day one. <laughs> and the early days of renting a school for the day to meet. And Life Church had grown some as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were excited to fold back into that also. So it looked like business as usual, like nothing happened. But part of what I think did happen is we changed a little yeah. bit. There was an influence from the China experience more than we saw coming. And Sue alluded to this earlier, it was also a spiritual uh, growth time for us. We were really involved in helping launch a church in China. Uh, we each had responsibility for about 15 different groups that met in homes to study the Bible mm -hmm. and to learn more about God and what that could mean. Uh, for them, and so we each oversaw those different groups, and it was really an amazing experience. And then coming back to the U.S. Um, and back into a different culture yeah. um, was a bit of reverse culture shock that we went through, but I think in a good way because God really used that. We didn't want to go all the way back mm -hmm. to reverse culture mm -hmm. shock, and. It was part of what we see now God was doing to help me make this change. So we were back here about a year, and um, it was kind of that feeling that something was going on, but we're not sure what. And interestingly enough, as Life Church continued to develop, we actually had some changes and things going, and they came to me okay. and asked, would I be interested in coming on staff? Because as the church was growing and changing, it started to need a different skill set. Yeah. We had a, a couple of good leaders and preachers, but there were so many other things happening in a fast-growing church that now was getting multiple sites and other things going mm -hmm. as well. And being you know, really tuned in to what God was doing and everything, they came to me, asked me this question. I immediately said, well, no. I got a good job. I like yeah. what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so this wasn't a matter of running away from Ford, but that lit a spark that we spent about a month praying about and talking about. And 
Suze was a big part of this as well. Why don't you share what you were feeling as we thought about that opportunity? Well, um, during the course of that year, as, as he was back and getting settled back into his role at Ford, uh, I could really sense um, an increasing discontent in his heart. Uh, and I always known that he had enjoyed his role there and enjoyed the challenge of, of his job. But um, every time we went on a walk, I could just, the heaviness of um, the, his new role, and, you know, it was just a completely different culture here, mm-hmm. the work culture even. And I knew that um, something was up, and it, it made my heart heavy because as a wife, you know, wanting to support him, I didn't know, well, what do I do to, to help with this increasing discon, discontent? And here we have five children now. Um, one of them is in college. One is about to enter college. And the other three are in Christian private school. Yeah, a lot of so tuition. So financially, we're mm-hmm. really putting out a lot um, in terms of, of their education. And so when, you know... He was asked to uh, consider this role, um, and and he first said, no, I have mm-hmm. a job. But then he really began to contemplate, and as we prayed, he got more and more excited about it. And I got more and more nervous about it. <laughs> 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 because I thought, well, look at the position we're in right now with, with our children and their schooling, and... Um, I don't think we can live at poverty level. <laughs> so you were you were concerned first Finan- and foremost with the, with financials, yes, yeah. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, as as a wife, as a woman, I think we all tend to appreciate that security, yeah. that financial security. And um, at the time, I was not working. I had our, uh, been home uh, taking care of our children for many years, and um, so initially, I thought. You're crazy. This is a crazy idea. <laughs> but um, as time went over and I saw his excitement growing, and I just thought, well, this is really going to be a faith step for me to let go of the security, which really is not from Rich's job. It's really from God. We, we believe that God provided everything we had. So if I really believed that, then I had to trust God to provide if he called Rich into that role at Life Church. Well, thank you for sharing. I, I, I want to just reflect on whether or not this could have happened if you didn't go to China, right? You go to China for four and a half years. You have the experience of starting the church, uh, two adoptions, the volunteer work with all the different adoptions, the new culture spreading the gospel not as a mission trip like you said but in in the in people's homes right it would have been a different life experience staying in the United States mm-hmm. for those four and a half years mm-hmm. right you would have had the first adoption yep. but the second one probably never maybe not would have happened mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk about a life-changing event right there um, but that kind of allows you coming back it's you kind of teed up in this position now to say yes to life church Mm-hmm. Right, might maybe not have, couldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, I do think it was uh, God orchestrating some circumstances to really help us with the decision because I described my my knee jerk reaction already yeah. was 
no, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't one of those, you know, lightning bolt obvious kind of things. It was, I like what I do and I'm going to stick with Ford and keep going. And that was my immediate reaction. Yeah. But you're right that the stage was set for there to be something more going on. So I think God had to work on us a little bit and China was a big part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so over this month when you're starting to warm up to the idea of leaving Ford, what, what's going through your head? Sue said that she could see you changing right right in front of her eyes. Tell us from your point of view how that decision mm-hmm. took place. Yeah, I think that for me it was a chance to really think about what are some of the things that matter to us more deeply? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things I'm just doing because we always have? And maybe question some of those uh, assumptions, some of the patterns we get into to take a harder look. And I think to take a little time like that to really pray through and think about it uh, helped me a lot. And I do think God was speaking to me during that time, not like audible voice kind of speaking, just really helping open up my heart Mm -hmm. and allow me to understand that maybe I'm being too quick, too reactive, not not thinking um, you know through this enough, not opening up enough, not casting aside some of the fears you know that you have, and just say, ah, there's something so much um, more uh, in this. And did you share the same kind of concern about financials that Sue did? I did, and I didn't. Um, I'm ready to believe in what God is doing if he's um, going to lead us this way and that he'll work this out. I also maybe am a little more of a risk taker than mm-hmm. Sue. That helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had we had in some ways prepared for this moment financially. How so? We didn't know it, but all along the way, we always lived within our means. Yeah, We thought it was really important from the start that we're going to get a paycheck and you're going to give 10% to the church and 10% to your 401k and 10% to savings and figure out a budget on the other 70%. And that's what you live on. And so we had bought houses that way. We had paid cash for cars that way. We had just made uh, some simplifying assumptions of how we live life and we have a good life. Uh-oh. Well, if you're living on 70%, like you just said, that's a recipe, a formula for success, mm-hmm. no matter what is ahead of you. Yeah. So and that's so, a great starting point. And even some of the things we mentioned along the way, like an adoption, when it came up, we felt like God was stirring hearts we wanted to adopt. We're like, oh, international adoption costs 20 some thousand dollars. Like, okay, we have 20 some thousand dollars. We put 10% in savings every paycheck Mm -hmm. we had you know we just decide so we weren't held we weren't ever held back by finances all along the way and I felt like the same was true at this moment a much bigger choice yeah you know I probably did you know in the end you probably gave up you know millions of dollars by making the change I did at the time I did and doing it differently but that was okay because um, we still had plenty to make this work and it wasn't just a savings thing. It was also a trust in God yeah. thing to be able to do that. But we had a pattern of this. So we were ready when the moment came. We felt like we had already uh, prepared for what God would do, not knowing it was coming. 
Yeah, and I would I would just add too that um, something that came to my mind as we were considering this um, this change um, financially was that uh, this was would have been 2012, and uh, earlier in the year in 2012, our our second child, which was a son, was awarded a full tuition scholarship ah, to um, one of the colleges that he applied to. And um, as I reflected back on that, I thought, God knew ahead of time that this was coming for us. And he was already supplying our needs there. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was over $100,000 that we didn't have to pay for his tuition. Amazing. So that helped me kind of come to a reality check like okay you know we we can do this and that the future holds those things as well even though if we don't know what's coming we can trust yeah that those things are there for us as well yeah so we got through this month and we talked about it i called i hadn't communicated with the church this was our month i went back and said if if you still want me i'm all in Nice. So, you know, financially, I didn't even ask what the salary was. We just, we just, really? assumed, we just assumed it was low. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've been with Life Church since it was a shoestring operation mm-hmm. from the start. And uh, we were just motivated, excited to make the decision. Yeah. Um, I, I want to share part of my story in this, though, career wise, too. Yeah, go it's ahead. not all just a financial thing. I was, you know, mid 40s kind of thing thinking about this. And as the corporate world can become a grind after a while, mm-hmm. you start to feel like, oh, maybe I want to retire early. Maybe I you know, only want to do this for so many years. And I want to say this in case somebody else has the same feeling. Yeah. you know. And like, So you start thinking, okay, well, I'm 45 now. If I can hold out 10 more years, I can retire early at 55. And then you don't have to do anything because you'll be covered at that point. And I saw two huge problems with that. Number one, I don't want to just hold on for eight or ten more years. Life ten of is, your prime years. Yeah. yeah, life is too valuable. Time is too important to just say, I'm going to hold on for these years. That was the first big problem. The second big problem was I didn't want to then do nothing at 55 yeah. either. Yeah. So it didn't really make sense to me to think like that. I just said we're, it's, we're living in too much fear of what might be. If we make a good choice, and if I choose a second career, you know, whatever term you want to use for that, something that I want to do, I'm excited about and love, even if it's some, you know, less financial salary kind of thing. If I do this for 20 years because I love it and I'm motivated and excited about it, we're going to be more than fine and we're going to be really happy doing it. Yeah. And that's exactly how it has come out. The money doesn't buy the happiness, right? right. It's mm-hmm. like you guys are referring to your spiritual, your life experience, your relationships, your family, mm-hmm. right? Um, feeling like you're making a difference, feel, yeah. feeling that connectedness. Uh, and the money, really, it's the security part, right? That's an important need mm-hmm. of money, right? But beyond that, it doesn't buy the happiness. It's all these other things. And if you're, you have a, a, a better paying job in corporate world, but you're kind of miserable, not necessarily miserable, but mm-hmm. you're not as happy as or fulfilled as you could be, right. then there's an opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people grind it out. Like, 
and they, they do a semi-retirement at, at like 55 or maybe mm-hmm. at a different age, but at an older age than 45. Mm-hmm. So what, what makes your story very unique is that you kind of got to that midlife, they say midlife crisis, right? Mm-hmm. But the midlife age at, at 45 and push the button, mm-hmm. push the eject button from corporate America um, and now you have such a long, much longer runway mm-hmm. than just what we call a semi-retirement. It's really like the second half instead right. of just a semi-retirement. Right. And that has been really powerful for me because I'm still young. I'm still energetic. I'm making something of this second career yeah. or second half rather than just filling time with it. Yeah. So this is fun. I'm good at it. And Life Church has been exciting and going really well and that I've been glad to be a part of it. So that's been a neat thing that like it really is a, you know, a second half versus a yeah. kind of filling what's left sort of a feeling. And that's been meaningful and powerful. I, I love it. This is not just hanging out, getting by. I really yeah. lo- love what I'm doing. You guys always have a spring in your step, I have to say and I imagine that you'll probably live like an extra 20 years <laughs> because I imagine it's less stressful than mm-hmm. corporate America as well. Yep, it has been. It has been because um, partly the, the demands are different and what I did was challenging, you know, the constant flying and the constant on the go and the travel and the... Even when you're here, you have 6 a.m. meetings and 8 p.m. meetings because of the time zones and everything else. So I have had some wind back in my sails, you know, in terms of less stress. But it's also less stress when I get to pick what I'm going to do and pick something I want to do and I'm excited about it. The, the fit also makes it uh, less stressful as well. So I don't know. What have you seen since we made the choice? Well, I just... Um... It has brought so much joy to me to see you just totally loving your job and feeling so fulfilled in that. And it just, it made it all the more worthwhile to to see that transformation of that energy and that purpose and um, being able to truly use the gifts that he had been using at Ford translate into ministry. Mm-hmm. And how they really did need his mm. set of skills, mm-hmm. his quote business set of skills, um, to even even with strategy. I mean, looking forward five years in, in ministry, what does that look like? And you having that mindset of being able to look forward mm. and being a visionary and making things happen with the church, and it just it made it all worthwhile. Um, I must say that thankfully we we did have a healthy savings and that for the first few years of his um, job at Life Church, we did supplement his income with with our savings. Okay. Um, And then I had the opportunity to come on board uh, part-time as church administrator. And it really was a great time for me too because our kids were now transitioning out of high school. I think Mm -hmm. I had a couple kids uh, left in high school. um, But... um, I, it was a good time for me then to begin my second career. Yeah, that's right, your second um, half. Outside yeah. the home, too. So yeah. I, I felt like that was really a provision for us as well um, from God because this job um, as church administrator was amazing in how it fit my gifts and my skills. 
even though I had been out of the workplace, I have a lot of uh, administrative and organizational skills mm -hmm. that I was able to put to use right away. Terrific. How do you guys like working together? It's great. <laughs> in fact, I remember in, in the early years of our marriage, we had kind of always daydreamed about maybe someday we'll get to work together. And at last, after 33 years of marriage, or 30 at the time, we, we finally got to yeah. work together on the same And we have awesome. a good thing going. There's no problem with uh, getting to see more of each other. Awesome. So we like it. <laughs> My wife, uh, let's see, Quinn is three, so she quit her job about three years ago. She was a financial planner mm -hmm. as well. And so now our Quinn just turned three yesterday, actually. So she's got like two oh, days of preschool. Fun. Soon it'll be five, and then oh, soon enough, yeah. it's full day kindergarten these days now, you know. So, so... We've had some discussions, you know, I'm not going to mm -hmm. make any declarations today, but I could see her skill set, right, being used at a different place as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like <clears throat> that you brought up the skill set thing, Sue, because somebody who's been in a particular field or a particular job, you might be there 10 years, 20 years, whether that job or that field, you might not realize how much of who you are becoming still translates Absolutely. to something different. I mean, as you learn people skills as you learn how to handle problems and solve problems, as you learn how to connect you know, with the marketplace, as you learn uh, how to keep track of what you do, how to uh, supervise others, all of these things that you learn in a, a role or a space, it can make you really successful in another space if it's something that you, know, you feel compelled to do or oriented to. So I can see how that would work really well and maybe people don't realize how much it translates. I agree. The you you mentioned, you know, the idea of retiring and being on the beach, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so if you think of the plus 65 age group, right? They tried the beach and they tried the golfing for a couple of years and now they're coming back to work mm -hmm. and they have all these skills and the accumulated wisdom right. over their whole mm -hmm. career and they can also pay it forward into a new position. Yeah. Right? And they're valuable assets. So mm -hmm. it's actually the fastest growing age group in the workforce, believe yeah. it or not. Uh -huh. Interesting. I believe it. Yeah. So you have to have something to retire to. Yes. Right? If you, you retired right from Ford to, to the church, mm -hmm. right, you have to have something to retire to. It can't be the beach. It can't be golf. It can't be Netflix on the couch mm -hmm. because it's a recipe for yeah. disaster. In fact, along those lines, as we talk about this second career uh, kind of a thing, uh, one thing I would suggest if I were talking to somebody, I would say move, move toward something, toward some idea, toward some passion, toward some calling, uh, toward something God's leading to, whatever it is for you. Don't just escape your, you know, your current thing because mm -hmm. you can escape that and end up in just as awkward a place or worse or something. So it really helped us to think about not just leaving something, but like what we felt like was coming next for us. I think that's a great point. I think, uh, you know, all these retirees, they have the countdown app on their iPhone or on their smartphone, and they're only focused on getting away mm. from... Mm. Maybe they have a bad boss or mm -hmm. they just don't like what they do. And that's the only thing that they think about. But they need to focus on what's next, like you said. Mm -hmm. And it has to be meaningful. Yep. So any other tips based on your life experience here and corporate America and the Chinese trip and, well, 
not trip, right? Assignment. <laughs> and life church, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, what other tips, like if I'm, I'm 40 years old and, you know, someone might be in the same age range, maybe a different age, but, um, you know, they're, they're not feeling fulfilled. Um, do they have to turn their life upside down? Do they have to grind it out? You know, what options do they have as you've thought through your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I just think with, with lifestyle change, I, I think of how um, as, as Rich's salary would increase over time and his, his roles and responsibilities would increase, um, I think we essentially just drove, drove a stake into our lifestyle at some point in time and said, we're not, we're not going to get that next bigger house. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a very nice, suitable home for our children with plenty of bedrooms and bathrooms, what have you. Um, but as we saw other friends continue to move up to that next big house and um, get their you know, vacation home and what have you, um, we, we didn't go along with that. Yeah. I think we, we felt content where we were and that um, you know, we just continued to save well and, and, and give, mm-hmm. be generous with, with our money, um, and the debt. Of course, I think a couple years before, um, maybe even a year before Rich got that opportunity, uh, we decided we're gonna pay off the house. We're gonna mm-hmm. pay off the rest of the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so that took the last of any debt we had. We, we really didn't have any other debt besides that. But again, I think being disciplined in your finances controlling that debt, getting rid of that debt, and, and saving sets you up for a better position to make a change. Yeah, if you had a lot of debt, if you were spending every dollar you took home without uh, being able to have positive cash flow, right? you never would have been able to make that work. We wouldn't with, have made the change. As far as numbers go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. Or... Likewise, if you hadn't contributed to the 401 for the entire career, or if you traded up, we call it lifestyle creep. As you get that pay raise, you find a new cottage, a third car, right? Right. Um, An extra vacation, and all of a sudden, where did it go? There's Mm -hmm. nothing to show for it, Mm -hmm. and now you've become accustomed to a higher lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then... And then you can't turn back. Yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. So mm-hmm. one of the keys would be having a certain frugality, having a certain uh, discipline of yes. uh, living within your means, mm-hmm. moderate or or low debt with uh, uh, you know savings on top of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's excellent. Yeah. An excellent point. And, and I think maybe I would piggyback on Sue's point. Um, she did, she described kind of the financial part of this really well. For me personally and work or career-wise, um, I was doing some of the same thing in parallel. You know, as we were, um, you know, well under control of our finances and everything. Like, there's not that pressure. There's not that stress. Um, I was in a position at work where I didn't. I didn't need. I wasn't beholden to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I could. I could have left at any point. And just chosen to do something else because we're protected financially. And that translated into a freedom yeah. in my career. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do I want to do? 
I want to go take a chance. I joined these new groups at Ford that nobody else wanted to be in. They're going to start this thing called New Markets. You know, it's, I'll do that. And it was like nobody knew what was going to come of it or what would happen. And it would just fold into another new thing and then another new thing. And, you know, it's like, I'll do that. Like, I wasn't at risk. I wasn't worried about what might happen. Um, so the way we were living was also translating into some career success yeah. and some career freedom. So even though there was a huge change from Ford to Life Church, I made you know choices like that along the way, even within Ford, with a sense of uh, confidence and a sense of um, not being under stress and not feeling like we're trying to protect something or worried about how to make the next uh, bill or the next mortgage payment. So those things, the financial was also related to the, the freedom we could live with then. Yeah, I like that. The, the independent feeling. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can choose your own path. What about your faith journey as now you're in the church every day, right? Mm-hmm. How has that changed your, uh, or enhanced your faith? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, Financially, I've just seen God's hand in, in provision for our family. I mean, there's been no doubt that that He honored our trust in Him and has provided well for us. We've done just fine. Um, but also being around a group of people that are so passionate and excited about what they do in ministry, that can't help but rub off and make mm-hmm. you more excited and passionate um, about mm-hmm. the work. And, um, of course, you know, just being part of a a group of faith-filled people, um, we pray together, we serve together, and it just makes me more excited about what I'm doing um, for the kingdom, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been great for me spiritually. Um, I haven't worked at other churches, so I can't say for everything, but Life Church is awesome. I mean, <laughs> these people love God and are passionate about what they do, and I get to be a part of this. You know, like if you gave me some huge sum of money and told me I never have to work again, well, I would just get up tomorrow <laughs> and do the same thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, this, I'm doing what I want to do. I, I get to do this. And I really enjoy it. So it's been spiritually motivating. I feel like God prepared us for, you know, this, that along the way, we did a lot of little things. And in the, in the Bible, um, Jesus often uses parables to really make a point. And he uses a parable where he speaks to people and says, I'm going away on a long journey. And while I'm gone, I'm going to have, I'm going to entrust you with this money. And he gives one ten talents of silver, one five talents of silver, and another one talent of silver. And then he returns after a long time. And when the person with ten talents of silver says, I invested it and made more, uh, the owner says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were in charge of a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. And there's a message in that. Well, he goes down to the one talent person who buried it in the ground saying, I was afraid what might happen. So here's your one talent of silver back. And he gets really reprimanded by the owner. So simplifying the parable a little bit, I felt like we experienced that along the way. As we were given uh, little things along the way, we were given certain abilities, we were given certain passions, 
We're given a certain amount of faith. We're given our relationship with each other, our family. All those things can be used for God's glory. And we felt like we were entrusted with these things. And we try to use them wisely. We try to use them in a way that we're for his glory and that help other people. Mm -hmm. And so then when bigger things came along, he, he was ready to feed those to us as well. And now I'm a you know, executive pastor at a, what's become a really large church with multiple locations and everything else. But we just started by, you know, leading a Bible study in our home and then mm-hmm. teaching a class and, but you know, growing and growing and growing over time with mm-hmm. that. That's outstanding. What about the children? So they've witnessed your uh, career, right, from traditional to the assignment to now executive pastor. Um, you know, can you share anything about the children and how they've learned from watching you and from and and, and how you trust in God? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, our daughter Stacia. She's our oldest, and she's been married four years now. Um, and she developed a passion for adoption. Ah. Um, and I think you know, having grown up and have. From the time she was uh, six or seven years old, having a adopted a sibling, um, and then again, encur- she encouraged us when we were in China to adopt again. Having visited mm. these orphanages and met these children in the orphanages, mm. why don't we adopt again? We should adopt again. Blah 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 blah. So we're like, yeah, maybe that, maybe we should consider <laughs> that. Um, and and she's already she became a social worker. Mm-hmm. And she's been working in foster care, mm-hmm. and she's already taken in two children through the foster system and wants to adopt. Wow. So yeah. that's one way we've seen, perhaps, yeah, she, the way we've lived. She was certainly watching and, and listening <laughs> along the way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband, uh, that she actually met her husband <laughs> when they were 13. When we moved to China, they were our first friends. Really? And she eventually married Wow. So we got a son and a son-in-law yeah. out of China. We had no idea. Wow, amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, in the other kids, I'm beginning to see, um, like, the next two older children, um, now that they've had to live on their own, um, frugality, okay. discipline, mm-hmm. and saving, and careful in their spending. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm... And, and just the the neat uh, kids that they've become, and they're their own, you know? None of them have asked, how do I get into Ford and do exactly what you did, which mm-hmm. is just fine with me. And, uh, you know, Lucas just got accepted to med school and wants Absolutely. to be a doctor, and he's our second. The younger three are still, you know, not as far along in the career, but it's fun to see how they all had good experiences with these things we've done, but then they translate it for themselves Mm -hmm. as individuals. So we're really proud of them for that. Outstanding. Um, Are there any, uh, I don't want to make this sound uh, too negative, right? But any regrets along the way or any, any pitfalls that, you know, you would advise stay away from this line of thinking or that action when you're, if you were counseling someone who was thinking about a similar type of transition? We're, what, early 20s, just got a job, long drive, we, we buy a car on credit. 
mm. the first one. Okay. And we were like two months into that. We were like, what have we done? This is the worst decision ever. And it wasn't financially crippling, but that's crippling to the way you approach life. If you do that for your whole life, it's just devastating. So we were like, what have we done? So within six months, we had the whole five-year thing paid off, <laughs> done, gone. And we said, that is never happening again. So when you had your Because house. when you get your 70%, if you have no payments, it's easy. 70% yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. If you get your 70%, and you got car payments and student loan payments and refrigerator payments and credit card payments, then you're in trouble. And so we realized that early on. We're not going there again. But Rich, what you just described is the typical situation in America, right? Living on credit, uh, not enough money in the bank to pay for an emergency that comes mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, like you say, it's uh, it's not that we're going out to eat too much or whatever. It's these commitments that we've made, the mm -hmm. big ticket items, the to the, the 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 mortgage, the home equity line, the credit card that we've accumulated, yep. plus the um, student loan or whatever else there is, the refrigerator. Um, so it's a real it's a problem, mm -hmm. and I see it all the time. So that's one that we did learn the hard way, and we said we're no, we recovered pretty fast. But we said we're yeah. not doing that again. And to piggyback on that, how did you apply that um, that rationale to your house? Because I know you paid it off earlier, but you bought the house with a mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. A thirty-year mortgage. Were you paying extra? Was it a fifteen-year? You know, how did you apply? That big ticket item. We were, I mean, we're old enough that some of this was new, you know, it goes a while back. And so when we did the first house, we did a 30 year mortgage mm -hmm. and we said, that's a long time. Yeah. So we started paying ahead on it uh -huh. right off the bat. Well, I think and, we refinanced too. And then it was either with that house or when we eventually had to move to a larger one, we went to the 15 year. Mm -hmm. And then we said, but we're not going to keep moving every 10 years and restart a 15-year loan. Right. That is not how this works. We're not going to be 50 years old with 20 years left on our mortgage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it, you're devastating your own future. Yeah. So, yeah, we switched from 30 to 15, and then we paid down quickly in, until we had paid it off, you know, many years ahead of time, even That's after right. having moved again. And so now you're living on, now like now once we made the switch, to a lower salary, we're living on the seventy percent, but with no payments yeah. and with money in the bank, and so actually we went up to eighty percent. We stopped saving money once I started jobs. Yeah, for a few years. <laughs> right, but um, still, it enabled us to do that because of not having the the debt and the structural expenses. And where did you learn? Uh, you know, who taught you that lesson? Was it like a Dave Ramsey class? Was it your parents that gave you the instinct or the intuition that debt is bad and I, we don't need to have debt? We need to save first to pay for things. Yeah, it was it was early in our marriage, and we um, were starting to listen to. Uh, this was a while ago, but it was Larry Burkett. Okay. And Larry Burkett was like a forerunner of Dave Ramsey. He was mm -hmm. like the dude that uh, in, the, in the Christian community that basically taught the same principles. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. give to the church, give to uh, the kingdom, you save this amount, and you stay away from debt. Mm -hmm. And we just 
accepted those um, principles from our early marriage years. Interesting. Um, in our case, we came to know Christ and have a that spiritual relationship with God through Jesus as adults, you know, a little later in life. Okay. And so this wasn't like something we grew up with and got trained with, but in some ways it helped us because I would just sincerely, I would read the Bible. It says the the borrower is slave to the lender. I'm like, and I said, why would we choose to be somebody else's slave? This It just doesn't sit right with me. And so a few of those basic principles uh, in our spiritual life really translated to success in other parts of life by following them. And I just want to make a comment. Um, I see... I listened to you guys speak, and like Sue, you're, you, early on you were saying how you wanted to be supportive of Rich with his career at Ford and, and with the China, um, I keep wanting to say trip, assignment, um, assignment <laughs> and with uh, how it was heavy, you could feel that it, the coming back, it was heavy on Rich's heart, and how you talk about together you make these decisions with... Mm-hmm. Um, like listening to Larry Burkhead and Dave Ramsey and having the same approach, right? Open communication, um, wanting to support each other, right? Be there for each other. And, you know, it, it just makes it so much easier, right? If, you have, if you're on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And how many of the ones that mm-hmm. are, are not divorced are unhealthy? And so it, it just... It helps so much to have this open line of communication and having everyone on the same page. Yeah. It's like you started ahead with a lead mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah, we did. And, and that's another example of where doing things God's way and having a strong spiritual life was really translating to success in other areas. So we really believe that God brought us together in marriage. Uh, the Bible says the two become one. Mm-hmm. So when I make money... That's Sue's money. There's no such thing as mine and hers. There's ours. only ours. Yeah. And those spiritual principles translated to a lot of success in our marriage, mm-hmm. in our relationship, and with our kids, and how to love well. And uh, all of those things were super beneficial to other parts of life. As we grew spiritually, it strengthened our marriage, it helped our home life, it strengthened our um, finances, it strengthened my career, you know, these things, there's really an influence of having that relationship, you know, with Jesus and how that has played through to help us in a lot of ways. Are there any other things that I should be asking that I have not asked yet? <laughs> I'm checking all the boxes here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just encourage um, your audience, you know, life goes by so quickly. And, you know, as we look look back, and we've been married for 33 years, and it's like, wow, um, how fast time flies. But to... You have um, another 33. I know. (laughs) At least. One of the things I would just say to people is just continue to be generous. Um, Because as you're generous and you give money away, it it deflates the power that money Mm -hmm. has over you. That's good. And it allows you to feel, obviously, you feel good when you share what you have with somebody else. Um, and you know that your giving makes a difference. 
And um, that's, that's part of the joy is, yeah, it's all God's, but we work hard for our money, but we're just conduits too, you know, to bless other people. And, and that really brings a lot of joy. So I would, I would say maybe perhaps we should have been more generous along the way, even when we were pinching pennies there for a few <laughs> years, um, because we trust God. And if we had been giving, giving it away, he would have provided. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, one thing that has helped me, Nick, that I would share is just start now. Uh, it's, it's too easy for us all to make life really complicated and say, well, I'm already in this company, so it's too late. Or I already have this debt, so it's too late. Or I already made this choice, and so it's too late. We just try to apply these things as they come. And so even for someone listening to this, it's kind of like, well, start now. What, you know, whatever age you are, whatever stage you are, just really, you know, pray and seek God that is as we that's what we would do and really ask him to give us direction, believe in that, um, make some choices that are that are good and take us in that direction um, and trust those steps of faith, but get going and start now. Whatever it is that someone needs to start and believe in. And the statistics will show that people are like living, people that are living until 90 or whatever in a lot of cases that are in reasonable health and things. And there's a lot of life ahead for a lot of us still. That's a lot of life ahead and too much to drag the anchor of what was. And it's much more exciting and much more inspiring to just say, okay, this is my moment. I'm going to make this choice right now. And I'm going to choose, you know, I'm going to choose to walk in faith. I'm going to choose to change my finances. I'm going to choose to change my career. Whatever it is that somebody's right up to, there's a lot yet to come for each person. And it could be someone who's already having success or someone who... It has yet to experience success. Either way, they can move to more significance. Yes. Well put. I think we'll end it there. Great. <laughs> well, thanks. thanks Thanks for having us. This has well, been fun. It has been, and I, I think that you guys have a great story, and I'm glad that we could share it to more people. Thanks for letting us. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, Sue. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.